Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares reminds us not to forget the blessings of walking with the Lord. The pain that, that lingers and hurts us the worst is not the pain that God has given us in the circumstances of life in His sovereign care. It's the pain of forgetting the, the truth of God. It's the pain of walking down a path where I don't remember the provisions of God, that I don't sense the presence of God, that I forget the truths that you and I say as Christians we believe. comfort food and comfy clothes, and some of us even have comfort animals. So it's easy to forget that the most comforting thing in the world is the presence of God in our lives. Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares reminds us not to worry about life's pain and trouble, but to trust in the presence of the Holy Spirit to get us through. I'm Dave Drewy. Get ready for a gospel lesson from the Old Testament called The Provision Through Moses. And now here's Pastor Mike. Well, there's good news in a great and anticipated promise that God gives us at the end of the book. In Revelation 21, it can be really distilled or at least well summarized with three words where it says in verse number four, uh, no pain anymore. No pain anymore. That, that's a good line right there, isn't it? No pain anymore. The context is that there shall be no longer any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. The idea of thinking about the reality of relief from all pain on every level at every strata of our lives. That, that's a big, big deal. And it should come as good news because pain, of course, is a reminder categorically that things are not as they ought to be, that something's wrong, right? There, there's a problem. And, and that as a category, the Bible says when God comes in his glory, Christ is sent and he makes all things right, as it says in that passage, well, then the wrong of pain will be extracted and gone. And that's, that's helpful. But in the meantime, before this new era comes, and where he says, I make all things new, before he makes all things new, uh, we're stuck with, with pain. But it's not just a category, a simple category where we'll say something's wrong. There's, there's two kinds of pain that need to be distinguished. Both of them can be said to be reminders of something that's wrong, but one of them is part of this particular era that we live in that reminds us that this age is wrong, this period is wrong, that it's, it's laden with sin, that it's, it's infected with sin, and therefore there's going to be pain, but the good news is God in his management of all things is going to parlay that, use that, utilize that as a necessary tool that is going to accomplish some good. It's purposeful, it's needful, and it's useful in God's economy, that pain. And that's the kind of pain that we even sing about. Matter of fact, I think of Jesus's words in Luke 24 when he said that it is necessary that the Christ should suffer necessary. So even the things we sing about the Christ on the cross, that's a suffering, painful thing. But we're saying that was a needful part of God's good plan. Of course, to fix the sin problem, which causes all of the pain. And so in our lives, we have this series of things that happen in our lives. That we say, well, wait a minute, this is God's measured, decided, planned set of painful circumstances that God is using in a useful, necessary way in this particular era. 
And for that, I guess we should look at it like Paul has maturely chosen to look at it from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he says the suffering and pain, talking about a particular kind of physical pain in his life at that point, he says, I'm, uh, I'm glad to bear that. I will gladly bear that kind of pain, that suffering. And of course, he goes on to talk about all kinds of other things besides physical pain, but he says that, that I, can, I can choose to gladly deal with. The other category of pain is like an alarm that goes off. And God sends this pain, and it's avoidable pain, but it's a kind of pain that happens in our lives when something goes wrong, something that we've chosen to walk ourselves into, and that painful experience is something God would like to stop being painful, but there has to be some attention given to it. It's like in the physical realm, you bash your foot into a stone, which by the way, the Bible says in the kingdom, he's going to dispatch angels to make sure you don't even stub your toe. But let's say you break your foot. Break your foot, the pain of that in the physical realm says, okay, I can't walk that off, right? You've got to immobilize it, you've got to mend it, you've got to cast it, you've got to take some time to heal and get through that so that there won't be pain. Like I've broken plenty of bones in my body and they've all healed and I don't feel the pain and that's the good thing. But I had to stop and make sure I attended to the problem. And that's a kind of pain spiritually that the Bible talks about that you and I all experience because we do things in our lives that we shouldn't do. We have patterns that we shouldn't be engaged in. Uh, All of it coming back to, by the way, a kind of thinking that we should not have, a lapse of priorities that should be involved as the basis of our lives, or we just forget things that are true and we start believing things that are lies. And all of that, the Bible says, will lead us into, as Hebrews 12 says, a set of painful circumstances. A set of painful circumstances that are used to get us back onto the path, the peaceful path of righteousness. And that that experience, that fruit of righteousness that comes out of it is God saying, I'd like that pain to go away. But we've got to think right. We've got to respond to the problem of that pain with repentance. We've got to figure out what it, what it is and we've got to deal with it. So there's pain that is unavoidable that can be useful that you can. I'm looking at it this way now from 2 Corinthians 12. I can say, I will gladly bear that. I can learn to be content in that. I can learn to power through that because I, I know some other things that are going to help mitigate the profundity of that. But the other kind of pain, speaking of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 7 says that pain, like the pain caused by the letter that Paul wrote, he says that should lead you to a kind of grief then that deals with the problem and then you come out of it and the pain goes away. That's a kind of pain you've got to give attention to. You've got to fix. So what I'd like to do this morning is have us think about those two categories of pain and to say, I want to think rightly about how to deal with both of them. And one of them I want to see as a category that uh, it's, as the old hymn says, what needless pain we bear. And I would say the second kind of pain that we should eschew, that we shouldn't have in our lives, is a kind of pain, or at least we should get through as quickly as possible, is a kind of pain that is far more profound than the pain caused by your negative circumstances. Let's put it this way. The most profound and debilitating pain, the most severe and serious pain that brings us despondency or just deep, real depression and frustration, the pain that that lingers and hurts us the worst is not the pain that God has given us in the circumstances of life in his sovereign care. It's the pain of forgetting the, the truth of God. It's the pain of walking down a path where I don't remember the provisions of God, that I don't sense the presence of God, that I forget the truths that you and I say as Christians we believe. And it all leads to sinful actions. But let's deal this morning with those things. And I want to illustrate it the way that Stephen is illustrating it here in his sermon in Acts chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 30 through 36, which is the third season of Moses' life, which deals with the exodus from Egypt. And how hard it must have been for 400 years for the Israelites to have increasingly difficult circumstances. Those were the external circumstances, which God, by the way, had 
had, had planned, sovereignly planned for them. And in that plan, for them to go through all of this pain, what he wanted to make sure they never forgot were the truths that should give them peace in the midst of all of that pain to say, I know God has a plan. God has a promise. He's going to get us through this. And we know where we're headed. That kind of assurance, that kind of faith, as we've been talking about through this series, is the kind of faith that should change the way that they go through that pain. But unfortunately, they let the pain of that oppression and that slavery lead them to a, a, what the Bible calls a broken spirit. A broken spirit that made them look squarely at the truth of what God had promised and say, I don't believe it. I, I, don't, I don't receive it. As it's put in, in the scriptures, I don't listen to it. And, and that's the real challenge for us as Christians, to make sure that we listen to the truth of God's word, we apply it, it leads us to righteous living and faithful living, the kind of living that says, I don't doubt God when he makes a promise. I, I don't doubt God when he says he'll be there through the midst of, of, of the difficulties that I incur, even though they're not done when I want them to be done. And I know that he's going to provide for me, that he says that, that he's going to get me through from point A to point B. Let's turn, if you haven't turned already, to Acts chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 30 through 36. We're going to remember this is the third season of Moses' life. It's the season where he's called back from the desert, working for his father-in-law, to go back to Egypt and lead the people out of Egypt. It's a very short summary of all that. And let's follow along as I read it, beginning verse 30. Now, when 40 years had passed, we had the first 40 years in Pharaoh's court, that was Moses, and then 40 years in the Midian desert, and now he's going to be called to go back to Egypt. When 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him, that's Moses, in the wilderness of Mount Sinai, adjacent to Mount Sinai, in a flame of fire in a bush, the burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he drew near to look, there came a voice of the Lord. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham. Now think of this, this is 600 years earlier. The God of Abraham, the promises there in Genesis 12. And of Isaac, he reiterated those promises to Isaac. And of Jacob, and that's how this all started, as the promises drew near. And one of the promises was, I'm going to give you a land. And he said that to Abraham in 2000 BC, I'm going to give you this land in Canaan. And it hadn't happened. Now they're, 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 they've been slaves in Egypt, living there for 430 years. And now it's time. And I'm thinking, well, it would have been great if it were 429 years ago. But now God is saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to get this done. And he reminds him that he's the God who is as present in the past as he is in the present. And he says, I'm the God, made those promises, I'm about to fulfill them. Moses, and we read all about it in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, but it says he trembled and didn't dare to look. Verse 33, then the Lord said to him, take off the sandals, you remember this famous line, from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And he says this, I've surely seen the affliction of my people, which I'm sure they doubted at some point in the midst of their pain, who are in Egypt. And I've heard their groaning, which I'm sure they're thinking, God, why aren't you answering me? How long are you going to keep us down here? But he's heard it all. He's aware. And I've come down to deliver them. Good, finally, right? But that's the thing. They had to wait for this timing. Now come, God says to Moses, and I'm going to send you back to Egypt. Which if you read Exodus 3 and 4, you might remember that didn't go over well. Right? That was hard to think. I I've spent... 40 years in Pharaoh's court. I killed this Egyptian trying to save an Israelite. Now my, my, my face is on the, you know, the, the post office wanted posters. And so now I'm over here working in the Midian desert for my father-in-law. And it's been kind of a cool, easier life. And now you're going to call me back to where they want my head on a platter. And the answer is yes, I'm going to send you back. And you're going to go back and you're going to deliver. Now, he gets back out of this narrative. And he says in verse 35, this Moses, whom they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and judge, as we saw in the last passage, right? Well, this man, God sent both as ruler and redeemer. That was God's human agency to get them out of this mess by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. 
This man, Moses, led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt. We know all about those, the plagues in, in Egypt. And at the Red Sea, we know the parting of the Red Sea and the drowning of the Egyptian army. In the wilderness, then, he travels around for 40 more years before he dies and hands the baton to Joshua, who then goes in, and they finally get into the promised land. So the sequence of God's deliverance here through Moses is all falling into place. And that plan is being worked out which we've talked a lot about, and I don't want to belabor this first point, but as I look at verses 30 through 31, and God's saying, hey, 600 years ago, I made a promise. Okay, we're going to start putting into practice that fulfillment, and that's going to be, you're going to leave Egypt after 430 years, and you're going to go into the promised land, and I got Moses, I got a plan, I'm working it out, I prepared him. Here we go, and it was postponed for 40 years, and that was a bit of a hassle, right, to think about the fact that you're there and thinking, we called last week's message the postponement of this, of this deliverance through Moses. And so we're, we're, we're always thinking now, like a petulant three-year-old. I want it now, 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 now. And God said, we're well, going to have to wait, but I got a plan. And you need to trust in that plan. Let's jot that down. Number one, if you're taking notes, those first three verses remind us there is a plan and you and I as Christians need to trust in that plan. And I say, I don't want to belabor this because this has been the theme the last few weeks. You have to either believe God's plan is true and that there will be a time and a place that God's kingdom is going to come and there will no longer be any mourning, no crying, no pain, no death. All of that's going to be behind us. The pain is going to be gone. The sin is going to be gone. The problems and the hostility and the oppression and everything we dislike that reminds us that things aren't right, God's going to make it right. Crooked, straight, rough places, plain, mountains low, valleys lifted up. Everything's going to be made the way way it's supposed to be. Now, you believe that. If you believe that, then you're not an Eastern mystic thinking that we're wandering in circles, but there's a linear plan. And you have to say, right now, we can think about ourselves in Egypt and think about our culture that is hostile to our beliefs. And we think, here's the thing. We know God is going to fulfill this promise. So I trust that he has a plan. And what I'm saying is you can stand up and preach it all day long. But unless you sit here in your heart and say, I not only believe it, I, I'm going to use a stronger word. I trust in that plan. I know it's going to happen. Well, then we can start to deal with the current set of pains, this category one pain and say, I can put up with that. I got another day where I got to make bricks and they're not giving me straw and I got the taskmasters hassling me and I got persecution going on. I got sickness. I got problems. I got economic issues. I got relational issues. I got health issues. I can power through that. I can even gladly put up with that suffering because I know there is a plan. This is, this is a linear plan. It's heading somewhere. I want to show you that they had a problem with that in, in Moses' day. So go with me, if you would, to the Old Testament book of Exodus. I want you to look at Exodus chapter six, burning bush, chapter three, chapter four. Now, Moses is going to tell the people here in Egypt, the Israelites, we got a plan. God is fulfilling the plan. You got to look forward. You have to look forward to the kind of optimism I'm about to give you. He's going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And they did not listen to it. And I want to show you this passage. Very helpful. And I think some of us, this is where we're living and we shouldn't be. Exodus chapter six, drop down to verse six. God's saying to, to Moses, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, right? It's like, okay, in charge, the I am. I have all authority. I, I manage it all. I have the ability to even make plans. And here's my plan. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Well, we've been praying for that for a long time. We've been groaning about that for a long time. No, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will, here's a big word, redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. That's the whole point, right? Who made this man the judge and the ruler and the redeemer. Well, God did. The redeemer. The redeemer is not just a parallel synonym for the word deliverance, but you could say it's deliverance with a price tag. When Jesus came on the scene and says, I give my life as a ransom 
there's linguistically the connection to that word redemption. If you looked at the Septuagint and New Testament Greek, ransom. I'm going to make the payment. I'm going to pay the price to deliver you from this oppression. And we here are in this epic of pain and sin and a a world that's laden with sin. God says, I'm going to redeem you out of that. I'm going to pay the price. Christ himself was the payment to take us out of all of this. And and the picture here is God's going to come and he's going to pay the price, right? Which is going to be with all these judgments and he's going to extract the Israelites from Egypt. That's the plan. And so that sounds great. You're going to, you're going to get us out of this mess. Verse seven, I will take you to be my people. That sounds good, right? It'd be awesome. And, And I'll be your God, right? This perfect and powerful God. I'm going to be associated, identified with you. And you shall know that I am the Lord, your God. And I brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And one day we'll rejoice in that. The Bible says as Christians, we'll be so glad to have all this behind us. I will bring you into a land that I swore. It's all based on a promise, which we should be believing. Swore to give Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. I have to always remember, you have the authority. You made the promise. We ought to believe the promise. Now, here's the challenge, verse 9. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel. Positive, based on a promise, God's going to do it. Hang on, we're going to get there. But it says they did not listen to Moses. Why? Because they're focused on the pain. Because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Hey, listen, your pain might be acute right now. But I'm telling you, Paul's pain was worse. Christ's pain was worse. And the reality of the pain in our lives to say, wait a minute, I cannot let that break my spirit so that I don't believe God's truth because I'm so myopically focused on the pain in front of me. I've got to distinguish that pain as God's purposeful, sovereign plan to put me through the ringer on all these things that he's doing, but the Bible says he's promised to work everything out. Everything, right? I've worked all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So I believe I'm part of God's family. He has a purpose for my life. And whether it's cancer or unemployment or whether it's relational problems or whether it's who knows what it is, whatever the pain is, the, the problems at work, the hostility from our culture, I know this, God, that's your plan. But here's the thing. I'm not going to let it break my spirit. I'm not going to get to the place where I don't believe the reality of it. I have to make the comparison between where you're taking me And the pain I presently feel, which takes me to one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, in my mind, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He says, I I, I would consider, he says, that the present sufferings of this world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. You've got to take these two things and say, okay, where we're headed to Canaan is not worthy to be compared to the harsh treatment and slavery I'm going through today. I have to look beyond the pain and I got to look to the prize. And the prize is God's going to take his people to a place where they're, here it is again, no pain any longer, none. So I know the pain right now. That's part of the epic and dispensation I live in, but I know God's got a plan. I have to trust that plan. And I know that it's just a matter of time and think about it. I mean, you're not Methuselah. You're not going to live another 800 years. We're going to get to the end of this. And you need to say, I believe to the end of my last breath on this planet, I'm going to get from here to there through this pain, and I'm going to recognize this. It's not worthy, all of it, all that pain, to be compared to the glory that is revealed to us. And then he says this, think about creation. He personifies creation, that passage in Romans 8, starting in verse 19, and he says, it can't wait for the sons of God to be revealed. It can't wait for the day when we have the kingdom and the children of God and here are revealed in God's eschatological plan. He says, and you yourself, if you have the spirit, you groan within yourself, a lot of pain, And you can't wait. You eagerly anticipate the revealing of the sons of God. I mean, that's a big deal. That you say, I can't wait. We're waiting for the redemption that God is going to finish. This culmination of his plan. 
And I know I preached on it a lot, so I don't want to belabor it. That's the third time I've said that now. I don't want to belabor it, but I am saying this. You need to remember where we're headed. You need to remember that it's not about the here and now. It's about the then and there. And we have to focus on that. If you don't focus on that, you won't believe it. You don't believe it. Then you'll be focused on the pain and you'll get a broken spirit and you won't believe the truth of God. And that is going to mess you up. That's a pain you would needlessly bear. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? Why would you have to put, just put the hope back in your mind? God made a promise. He's good for the promise. And in a matter of time, hundred years from now, we're all going to be in a whole different place. And God's going to bring back his son to this planet. Kingdom, no pain, no dying, no mourning, no crying. That's a good thing. Back to our text. Look at it here in Acts chapter 7, beginning in verse 33. And I've already told you there's this reminder of the fact that God is not only present in Ur the Chaldeans and not only uh, Abraham going as a sojourner and, and God is present. Now we get the reminder that God is present here in the, in the desert adjacent to Sinai and holy ground. Take your shoes off as holy ground. And not only that, way over in Egypt, it says, in verse 34, I've seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their groaning. I think about those lines in, in the scripture that God is a God who is seeing. The Lord is a God who sees. God sees, he hears, nothing's, ex nothing's hidden from his sight. We've kind of emphasized that throughout this series, reminding us of passages like Jesus saying, every hair on your head is numbered. God knows. And here's the challenge. Even though you believe in the omniscience of God, you believe in the omnipresence of God, the challenge for you is you sit here with a lot of disappointments and a lot of pain and a lot of frustration and a lot of increasing hostility from our culture. You have to believe that not only does God have a good destination for us, between here and there, he is not, to use the words of Christ in John 14, he has not left you as an orphan. You're not orphaned. It's not like, okay, when I say sojourner and stranger and alien, it's like, oh, good, good luck with that. See you, see you in, in 25 years. No, it's like, I will be with you. I'm going to take you from here to there. You need to trust in the Holy Spirit's presence to speak of orphans. The idea is he said, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to go back to my father and I'll be ensconced at the right hand of, of the king. But here's the thing. You will have the Holy Spirit. He will come to you and he will dwell with you and he will be with you. And in that sense, I can say, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And the problem is we can say we believe in the omnipresence of God, but on Wednesday afternoon, you have to think, I know that God is fully aware of every single issue in my life, including my groanings and the burdens and the pains, and I know he's walking me through this. Even if your life feels like it's a 430 years of enslavement in Egypt, I know that God is with me. And the resource of knowing that, of practicing in my own conscious, cognizant mind that God is present right now, is going to make all the difference. This is Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares, and you're listening to the first part of a message called The Provision Through Moses. And if you joined us late or want to listen again, this program is available on the Focal Point app or on our website, focalpointradio.org. You know, Pastor Mike always delivers the straightforward Word of God because it has the power to transform lives. He doesn't shy away from uncomfortable truths. And today he reminded us to trust in the presence of God. So I want to share a note we received from a listener named James that demonstrates the power of accurate Bible teaching. James told us that his wife recently passed away, and he was understandably struggling with grief. Well, on a long drive, James turned on the radio and heard Focal Point, and here's what James wrote to us. I just happened to find your program in the middle of the desert. Pastor Mike, you said words to the effect of, stop looking in the rearview mirror. It hit me like a ton of bricks. Thank you, brother. 
Yeah, I think you'll agree. It was no coincidence that James happened to tune in to hear Focal Point at just the right time and place to receive that message from Pastor Mike. God's timing is intentional and perfect. And if you want to help us share these messages with more people, please partner with us to expand the reach of this program across deserts, plains, and oceans. Support Focal Point with a one-time financial gift or become a Focal Point partner by making your donation a monthly gift. To give, please call us at 888-320-5885 or you can donate online at focalpointradio.org. Or if you prefer, send your donation by mail. Our address is Focal Point, Post Office Box 2850, Laguna Hills, California, 92654. And to show our appreciation, we'll send you a book Pastor Mike selected to go along with our current series titled, The Most Misused Stories in the Bible. Surprising Ways Popular Bible Stories Are Misunderstood by Eric J. Bargerhuff. Request this book when you call and donate. 888-320-5885 is our number, or go online to focalpointradio.org. Well, I'm your host, Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us again tomorrow for the conclusion of a message called The Provision Through Moses. Hope to see you here Thursday for more Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. Ever wish you could corner your pastor and challenge him with your toughest questions about the Bible, about faith? Well, now you can. Send me your questions. Head on over to focalpointradio.org and click on Ask Pastor Mike. Or send me a note on facebook.com slash pastormike or twitter.com slash pastormike. I can't wait to hear from you. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.